inside game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morahan, and my brother, J.S., to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Today is our 142nd podcast. Bioblast number nine, bite-sized tastes of notable men. Subtitled, well, just what can a poor boy do? Well, the answer to that question is, well, a lot actually. These biographical appetizers or divers, if you will, of the lives of the rich, the poor, the famous, the infamous, the notorious, and the glorious, or perhaps maybe even lives like you, lives like me. Well, not really. It's not going to be a life like you or me. But let's begin with this surprising fact. Are you aware from the immigrant age of seven, not speaking a word of English in 1962, to the creation of the band Van Halen had put together in 1972, riding to the top of the rock and roll world between 1977 and 1984, for And for the next 30 years, during this unbelievable 40-year run, Van Halen shockingly released only one, only one number one hit single during the entirety of the band's four-decade-plus tenure. And that song was Jump. In 1984, Van Halen's album, 1984, based on record sales, was projected to rise to number one on the Billboard charts the following week. But as we who have have lived a life in the world of, of the catastrophe insurance business, that we, we know all too well uncertainty, probability, the risk of ruin, all that stuff. We know that anything that can happen will happen. And like earthquakes... That just can't be predicted, no, much, no matter how much knowledge we have of earthquakes. In the case of Eddie Van Halen and Van Halen, just as their hit album 1984 was right there, perched on the threshold. Here it comes, wait for it. 1984 will be the number one hit in America next week. Michael Jackson's hair caught on fire during the filming of a Pepsi commercial. Are you kidding me? You cannot make this stuff up. And his sympathetic fan base of children, and probably some adults, hysterically ran out and bought Michael's latest record to show that, you know, show their undying support for the artist who really did live in a place, a home named Neverland. Oh, uh, Neverland, that fictional island um, featured in the works of, I think the author's name was J.M. Barry. You know, this imaginary faraway place where Peter Pan, Tinkerbell, Captain Hook, 
um, lost boys and some other imaginary beings and creatures live. The, the, the story of Peter Pan, the boy who never grew up. The true story of the weird, weird, weird life of Michael Jackson, who gets a free pass on a lot of stuff, but that's for another day. But more than strange, it was beyond unpredictable that his hair would catch on fire. But this is what happened. And as a result of this, at least Six Sigma event, in my opinion. Van Halen's 1984 hit the Billboard charts that week at number two. You know, some sometimes some things are just never meant to be. 28 years later, 28 years later, in 2012, Van Halen reemerged re from a comatose-like state from out of nowhere to release its last studio album named A Different Kind of Truth. And it featured as lead vocalist, I kid you not, the one, the only David Lee Roth, who, like Freddy Krueger, was back with Van Halen. And this was his first assignment with Van Halen since 1984. Roth's 28 years in the wilderness matched or surpassed only by, by Winston Churchill's wilderness years, you know, out of the British government between world wars, or the supernaturally, impossibly long 55-year drought between Harper Lee's writing of To Kill a Mockingbird and its sequel. I mean, talk about a serious case of writer's block, one that lasts 55 years, Jesus. And I thought Donna Tart, who's an author whose works are so, so good, but whom works so, so slowly, she releases a classic about once every 10 years. In any event, A Different Kind of Truth was selling fast, burning as furiously as a California wildfire, and again, it was poised to top the billboard charts the next week. That's what the math indicated when, lo and behold, Adele stole the show at the 2012 Grammy Award Ceremony the week before. And her album sales that week spiked beyond comprehension. Post those Grammys, I mean, so significantly, the spike was that it denied Eddie Van Halen, Roth, and Van Halen itself the number one Billboard chart position. Sorry about that, Eddie. Sorry, David. The myth of Sisyphus lives on with Van Halen. They rolled that rock. They rolled that rock, but they never made the summit. And yet, Eddie, Eddie Van Halen was just so damn good. You know, Toto's guitarist, Steve, uh, Steve, Steve uh, Lukather, stated for the record that he believed that Eddie Van Halen was simply the greatest guitarist to have ever lived. And, and that, my friends, that is a strong, solid endorsement. And of course, it's only one guy's opinion, but he himself, Steve Lukather, was a fabulous musician, it must be noted. But, you know, a subjective assessment but and not measurable by any objective standard. But still, Lukather was, was not too far, you know, out over his skis when he asserted that Eddie Van Halen could do things with his handmade instrument in his indomitable 
idiosyncratic style that no other guitarist on the planet had ever done before, nor might ever match again. Hell, they may never even dream dreams of doing the things that Eddie Van Halen did with his guitar. And Lukather extended, well, I'm going to say that that is perhaps the wrong verb here. In, in this case, he expanded. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure that's the right verb either. No, Lukather elaborated his commentary on Valen's, Van Halen's otherworldly skills by stating for the public record that when he was first exposed to, first listened to Eddie Van Halen's guitar solo from eruption, he actually literally felt his penis shrink. Whoa, whoa. Now that would be uncomfortable, let me tell you. A moment like that, a man is unlikely to forget. Even such a man, a dick like Izzy Stradlin of Guns N' Roses, he wouldn't forget such a moving moment, would he? Even if it moved only a tiny bit because, well, that's all his might move. How might he, Steve Lukather, ever again have taken the stage post that incredible shrinking man moment, having been so humbled by what he had just heard from Eddie Van Halen. And it means that Steve Lukather had quite a pair on him because it would really take some set of balls, and Lukather had them. By the way, I love Toto, for what it's worth. And still, with, with all that talent, Eddie's massively gross insecurities and his inability to ever feel public uh, comfortable in a public setting meant that despite his awesome ab abilities he'd likely never have made it big without David Lee Roth you know and Roth on was never on his best day as good a vocalist as as Eddie was a guitarist on his routine days and it is true, it is true also, that David Lee Roth was never as good as he thought he was. Both of these truths can be true at the same time, I point out. But he was a rock star through and through in his soul and dr driven by a McDonald's supersized ego. Roth sincerely believed that he presided amongst the rock gods. And his, his showmanship allowed Eddie Van Halen to just play, just play his guitar while, while Roth put on a rock, rock star show. They may have had problems each other, which I'll talk about later, but they were symbiotic by nature. Each needed the other. But, you know, I should point out, but at some point, it's very important to remember in any relationship just who is who. You know, Keith Richards understood this point. And he knew when to back off in favor of Mick Jagger. And by way of, uh, of further illustrating this point, I believe it was General George Marshall who said this, that, that in the relationship between the U.S. Secretary of State and the President of the United States, it's important that each man remember just who is who. But at the end of the day, it's more important the Secretary of State remembers who is POTUS, who is the President of the United States because it's more important for the Secretary of State to remember this than it is for the president to do so. David Lee Roth, 
He lost his bearings, neglected the compass that would have directed him due north where it would indubitably have reminded him of the fact that the name of the band was Van Halen. It was not David Lee Roth and the Van Halen brothers. No, and it's a big mistake in life to show up your boss. You steal his thunder, if you will. It usually does not end for, end well for you if you do this. Though the extent of your discomfort will, dis, will really depend on how badly your boss takes to your dissing him. There's always the punishment of the boats to help you remember just who is who. God have mercy on your soul if your boss were to subject you to something like the punishment of the boats. And I will elaborate on the horrors, the horrors, absolute horrors of the punishment of the boats only at the end of this podcast series because I am not certain you might be able to finish listening to this episodic adventure involving Eddie Van Halen should you hear exactly what takes place when you steal your boss's glory and hoard it to yourself. It gets very very ugly if he relies and, re, and, and, and exposes you to the punishment of the boat. I'm a, I guess I should make a confession. In truth, I'm issuing this trigger warning not, not, not for you, mostly for myself, because it actually scares the hell out of me, the punishment of the boats. Oh, my God. So perhaps we should leave this discussion of stealing your boss's thunder, showing him up until our next bioblast, at least, because much remains to be said about the matter. So until the next time, hey, thanks for listening. And, and please remember, when you are out to sea, and those skies suddenly darken and the winds pick up and the waves grow treacherous. The rain begins to pelt you. There's a leak you find in your boat. Oh, no. And, and you've got no chronometer. Your compass is gone. The engine of your small craft has failed. And, and you're in danger of being swamped very soon. You can pray. You can pray. A passing ship will come by out of the blue and rescue you. Yes, you can. Or you can pray to whatever God you believe in you know, that he or she or whatever these days will save your ass. But it is my suggestion you right now grab your paddle and start paddling because beware, you are now on the high seas of life. Good luck and bye-bye. I will and I know that I can 
When did the skies change? When did we turn back? How am I ever gonna get myself back? The sea's now boiling and I'm getting cold. I've lost my sails, got to find a way home. Alone in my boat, I think of my wife. I'm lost in a drift on the high seas of life. See you. 